Welcome to Clean Break, the weekly life transitions podcast, where we share the stories and experiences of professionals that help families create a new path for themselves. Find all the answers about the many complex questions about transitioning your life through relationship separation, starting a new career, having babies, and many other life transitions. Find out more at mycleanbreak.ca. Here are your hosts, Darren and Tina. Hey, welcome back, everyone, uh, to Clean Break, the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Darren Jabog, one of the hosts of the show. And if you've been paying attention lately and watching the show or listening to the podcast, you've probably noticed that we're not talking about a lot of the things that we've talked about in the past, which is separation and relationships. Uh, We've been gearing more towards life events and life transitions and talking about some really cool topics, right? absolutely. I'm excited about for the show today. Uh, So joining me, as always, is Tina Murray. How are Hello, you, Tina? <laughs> I'm great, Darren. It's lovely to be back. I know. And uh, yeah, so today we have a sponsor. And so I'd like to talk about the sponsor first. Okay. Let's okay. Do that. So, Livestream Junkies, who happens to be um, our production team for, for a clean break. And that's the studio we're in today. So, they are our sponsor today. They are our go to provider for high quality video production and live streaming services. So, whether you're looking for corporate videos, hybrid event coverage, virtual event coverage, podcasts, Podcast. documentaries, e learning courses, the Livestream Junkies team will ensure that your production is organized, smooth, and visually captivating. If you have an idea for a production, reach out to the, reach out to the Livestream Junkies team and they will help turn your vision into reality, which they have absolutely done for us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Great team. And if you're looking to set a bar, you know, with it comes to um, uh, content creation online, which everyone's paying attention to these days, these guys are awesome. They're absolutely amazing. Yeah. So thank you to Livestream Junkies and reach out to them if you are in need of some production. So, Or if you just have questions because they're pretty uh, helpful too, right? Yeah, absolutely. We have great conversations and great sort of thought processes when we when we meet as a team. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's good, great. Good so stuff. reach out to them. So yeah, but yeah, we talk about all kinds of new things on the show. Your face these just days, lights up. Right? Yeah. I just yeah, before the show, um, it's been a very busy week and so I was like, oh yes. but trust me, I'll perk up for the show. <laughs> I, I, you always do. You find you dig deep and you always find like that yeah, button to yeah. push to get the energy yeah, up. And yeah. Going. And so you know as soon as we're done I'll probably go well yeah, <laughs> have another Cinnabon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. More coffee. <laughs> so, yeah, we always have a lot of fun, though, on the show. We do. It, it, we, it's been such a journey, yeah. you know, and I, I, I can't believe how much we've learned from the show. Yeah. I know both of us are like, we always finish the shows and we're like, I had no idea right. about that. You, right. know? So. you know, remember a few shows ago, I'm not even sure when, uh, we had uh, Tanya from Kempel Painting on. Yeah. And her, uh, her husband, her partner, uh, presented at a, at a meeting um, that I was at this week. And honest to goodness, he taught us so much about painting. Like <laughs> little things like how to determine whether it's oil-based or uh, acrylic. Mm-hmm. Right. So depending on the primer and, okay. you know, how they, how they, you know, keep their roles between jobs if they need to and mm-hmm. like, just why they wear Little white <laughs> yeah okay why do they wear white i gotta yeah. i want to know that because everything is white based okay. the primer is white based your trim is white based your everything except for the the wall colors is yeah. white based i i thought it was mainly because they just wanted to show that they were working so they just i, yeah, I kind of thought the same and they say thing. look how hard i worked all day right <laughs> It doesn't, it seriously still doesn't make sense to me because I have it everywhere. But anyway, we have a different guest for today. 
show. <laughs> I tell you, we have so many tangents in this show, but you know, anyone that keeps up with it, yeah. uh, it's never dull. Well, no. <laughs> Okay, what are we doing today? All right, so today we have Susan Andrews from Dark Horse Appraisals. And um, I'm really not going to get into a whole lot about it uh, because I'm going to talk to you and ask you those questions. But when I, being in the mortgage industry, when I think of appraisals, I obviously think of property appraisals. Home appraisals. So right. welcome to the show, Susan. And, Thank you for having me. Uh, so tell us, so just a real quick high-level overview about who you are and what is Dark Horse Appraisals. Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> Professional well, side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Professional yeah. side later. <laughs> okay. Well, what I appraise is personal property. So it's not a house. It's not the property. It's the contents of the house. For example, for it's, uh, reasons like a divorce or a death in the family, there's an estate to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. So. Um, sometimes the family will say, well, we want to do the appraisal ourselves because the lawyer will tell them, get an appraisal done. And the user of the lawyer will be careful enough to stipulate, get a professional appraiser to do it. Don't try to do it yourself because you go in and you'll be like, oh, well, I remember grandma and grandpa paying $2,500 for this bedroom set in the 1970s. That doesn't mean it's worth that now. It's probably mm -hmm. going to be worth much less, but it could also be worth a lot more. And that's my job is to come in. I'm an impartial, third-party, independent person that I have no connection. Ideally, if I do have any connection at all to the family that um, I am working with, I have to state it in my report, so mm -hmm. that way you can see. But I have to be as unbiased as possible. So my job is to go in, appraise things. So I'm taking measurements, I'm taking photographs, I'm looking inside out, upside down, and backwards at basically everything of value. I'm even taking photos of cleaning products underneath the kitchen sink. Okay. Not that they're going to be worth anything, but just to record it, have it there, so that way if uh, for whatever reason the case goes to court or there's disputes, well, oh, she didn't get every single thing in the house. Well, there's the contents of the hall cupboard. Wow. There's this, but I'm the one opening drawers, looking in for maker's marks, uh, etched, uh, branded or etched into uh, inside drawers for uh, identification purposes. I'm the one finding things that um, this uh, teak um, uh, item that uh, uh, a credenza, for example. I just, uh, one of my brothers is uh, currently out in BC and he wanted to get uh, a credenza that my parents have had for a while. It's been sitting out in the garage. I told him what to look for. And as far as we knew, it was teak. It was solid teak. It's actually teak veneer over chipboard, which was very common back in the day. Okay. And the pictures he said were just heartbreaking. You could just see the mold, the veneer peeling off. But to us as kids, it was always mm -hmm. veneer. Mm. But I also had to very carefully stipulate with my three older brothers that come from a family of five that um, you can't ask me to do an appraisal for when the time comes to get an, appra an appraisal done because I would be biased. Mm -hmm. I would be trying to, they would, or I, they may be trying to influence me, oh, find a higher value for these items mm -hmm. as opposed to the fair market value, which is basically a middle of the road value. So, um, say for example, if you want me to <coughs> appraise this green pot over here, I'd First of all, look at it and just look for any maker's mark, get the dimensions of it, just look, uh, record the color, get photos of it, make sure there's no damage because condition is everything. And then go online and see, okay, what is this sold for recently? Mm -hmm. Look okay. for at least three comparables to it and middle of the road it and say based on the condition, da, 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 da. I don't go into a huge long explanation for every single thing. It's usually just an inventory list like assortment of cat figurines altogether, those little figurines, a whole bunch of them, small ones, might be, say, 15 to $20. But 
that I find a large or kitten figurine with the mouse and it's in perfect condition. Okay, well, I'm not surprised to find that, that the value for that will be more like $45. So that gets a separate entry. So it's fun picking out the cherries. Mm. But I also have done one-off appraisals, <clears throat> excuse me, where people say, oh, I've got, say, this antique rug, can you come in and appraise it? And again, go and measure it. And that is, uh, I don't charge a, a huge amount for a one item, but for obviously for a household and the more, <laughs> the bigger the household, yeah. the more items, the more that I'm likely having to, uh, I'll have to charge for it. Yeah. That's, kind of, that's really neat. Yeah, like, I mean, you hear of auctioneers going in, right? Yes. So, like an auctioneer would go in and, and sort of set prices for all of the items in yes. the house or whatever. Do you ever get called in sort of instead of the auctioneer to value things for the auction? Or is it sort of a different different process? Actually, the most auctioneers do have, do, do some appraising themselves. So okay. whether or not they uh, belong to the same organization I do or not is different. I belong to the Canadian Personal Property Appraisers Group, which oh. is, um, we're basically accredited and we can work all over Canada and the United States. So that's useful. We are what's called USPAP compliant. USPAP stands for Uniform Standards of Practice for Appraisal Professionals. I remember. Yay! <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> okay, so, that's interesting. So it's a very strict code of ethics. Like, uh, okay. for example, it covers things like being unbiased and impartial, etc., and so on and so forth. And because uh, most people don't realize that an appraisal actually involves a report, a written document that has to be able to stand up in court. So it has to be watertight. All the I's and T's have to be taken care of. Mm. So someone just going through the house saying, well, these are these giraffe figurines from such and such, and um, I think they're worth this much now. Like, that's, that's not going to cut it. Mm -hmm. Now, well, let me ask you a question. Do, do, do you usually charge based like on piecemeal, where you do individual items, or do you do like a, is there like a bulk rate where you'll come in and say, you know, you'll do, I don't know, like 100 appraisals on items in the house for a set um, rate or something like that? It really depends on the scope of the job. If I'm going to do, say, um, if someone asked me to do like uh, a, a dining room suite of furniture in <coughs> Oxford Mills, which is very close to where I am, and it's, they describe it as like, oh, coming from the grandparents period, then I can sort of start, start to get ideas to what time frame I'm looking at. So I already have that research, that information handy mm. as to what that kind of thing goes for. That would probably be, be around a few hundred dollars. But if I'm going, say, to Morrisburg, because I cover basically between Cornwall and Kingston and sort of funnel up towards this area, I try to go no further to Ottawa than Manatech. Um, and then obviously travel, distance, etc., and all the time involved because I'll have to be there for at least a whole day right. to take photos of everything and measure and whatnot wow. because I don't bring the things back with me. Right. If somebody wants me to appraise 25 pieces of, of the Royal Dalton China figurine collection, I'm not going to chuck it in my car and drive no. it home. Yeah. It's, there's too many uh, risks there. So I go there and do everything on site. So that like, costs quite a bit more. There, there's got to be, like, uh, it, it just amazes me because I think of my own home and think mm -hmm. of what little value there is. Yeah. <laughs> the I stuff thought, I have you in might my be house. Surprised. You know, now there is a there is a cupboard that, like a like an old sort of a china cabinet, but it's yeah. a wooden one. It's not like a dainty yes. one that I got when, Brent's, when my husband's grandparents passed away. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, it, it has a lot of sentimental value yes. to me, but I doubt it has a whole lot of exactly. value. Exactly. And there, there will be that too. There'll be items that uh, 
this, uh, I, I found an item that actually nobody else in the house knew about and it had been made by the household owner and it had their name on the back and the date when they made it and it's a very beautiful little curio and it's really worth more in terms of sentimental value because they made it as opposed to going for fair market value. But mm -hmm. I still mm -hmm. found a value for it, but like based on the wood and the work, the amount of work that went into it. But sure. Uh, and the age of it, would the exactly. age obviously play a part yes. in it? Yes. Age does and condition does. Um, often I watch, I'll watch shows like Antiques Roadshow, for yeah. example, both versions, both over the pond and this side. Yeah. And you'll see an appraiser going, oh, this is a beautiful china pot and it's probably worth about this much. Then they turn over the bottom and there's a star crack at the bottom. Well, the value just changed dramatically because it has mm. damage. So oh. a lot of that stuff is, is, is perceived value because it's only what other people are willing to pay for it, right? Exactly. Mm. Fair market value is defined as <clears throat> what a willing buyer and a willing seller mm -hmm. are willing to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, okay. So what a willing buyer and willing seller are willing to settle on as a price for the item. So nobody yeah. is being coerced to pay more right. or pay less right. for the item. They're saying, well, this, uh, this uh, antique clock I'm asking $125 for. And okay, that's good for me. Here you go, $125. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what, what, what would you say is, is some of the most common things that you get, you get hmm. asked to appraise? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's a great question though, yeah. yeah. Figurines, uh, things like... Uh, uh, furniture, obviously, because everyone's got furniture. Yep. Uh, sometimes have people saying, well, I've got an Ikea bookcase. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, usually you'll see things like the Ikea Billy bookcase. Even I have one of those with the eight compartments. Mm. It doesn't matter what you paid for it. Originally, people say, well, I paid so this much was paid for this item back in this, at this point in time. What's it worth now? I said, well, the Billy bookcase, you can leave it at the end of the driveway and someone will take it for you. <laughs> it's chipboard. It's veneer over chipboard. Ikea um, makes, anytime I see Ikea to furniture, I never see it for sale or rarely ever see it for sale unless it's like a really interesting piece. Yeah. Like the little, one of the original little Ikea chairs, which looks like a little chunk made of Lego. Yeah. That might be worth something now, but I'm not sure. Otherwise, you see it just standing up people's driveways. Yeah. People just so people will think, well, I spent all this money on fitting out this stuff for the kids' college room. Yeah, and well, you can just leave it in the college room when they move on. Does it? Some, do you sometimes shake your head with what people think the values would be? Like, again, the sentimental version yes. versus what it actually is worth. You know? Mm. Yes, sometimes. But you, when I'm on job, and when, usually family members are there too, I just stay neutral. Just and. I don't say anything to anyone. I just go ahead and do my job. And if there's damage, for example, to something, then I'll note it. Or I may ask someone, um, oh, did you want the uh, the bridge claws measured as well, as long as like the full-size table claws for the uh, the big, great big table the, that they're taking. And they may say, okay, well, we don't want the bridge claws, just do the full-size table claws. And if I see like, okay, I'll just notice like, well, there's pulls here in the fabric and there's like grease stain there. Mm -hmm. Not say, not don't say anything to them at the time. I just put it in the in the report. Yeah, and they use that to help me find my value. So it yeah. could be like the biggest, most beautiful Irish linen tablecloth you've ever seen. Otherwise, in perfect condition. But if it's got like lipstick stains and grease stains on it, I'm going to have to mention that and say, well, yeah, yeah, because obviously that brings going, value down, right? Yes, yes, yeah. And usually, in this case, this person just wanted um, uh, these items for herself. She was buying them. Uh, why they, they were buying them from the from somebody else's estate it was a little bit of a complicated situation, but there were just a few items I was asked to appraise in this case. So, but what's one of the coolest things you ever had to appraise? And were you surprised by what it was valued at? 
I think actually the uh, the clay painting that uh, I mentioned originally and I sent the uh, the photos about that so uh, that clay really is surprising. It's because this yeah. is the this is the painting in question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now any anyone associates the name clay K L E E with Oh, we the I oh, thought this is a clay Clay we pronounce it clay I, I just pronounce it clay just because uh, that's how I've always uh, learned to pronounce it. This is, most people think here, I'll also use Klee just for simplicity's sake. Klee, okay. uh, Paul Klee was a Cubist artist. And I was looking at this thinking, this is about four feet long. I'll just check my notes. And this is my little cheat sheet here. This painting is four feet long by 27 inches high. So it's like a great big Huge. piece. Yeah. It's a nice big piece. And, but uh, the Cubist Paul Klee never painted coastal sunscapes like this. So I was like, who is this other person? Because you can't just go around calling yourself signing Klee on paintings. And I, he was, uh, this was a British artist by the name of Raymond Klee. He was very, very prolific. This was probably painted in um, Brighton-on-the-Sea where he lived as tourist stuff, tourist tr stuff for the tourist trade. So this is the kind of thing you've gone abroad and seen and gone, oh, it's beautiful. We put it over the sofa in the living room. Okay. So it's a nice big piece. He, um, so I looked and thought, wow, this is cool because you could see even before I knew what it was, you can't see too much of the detail here, but in the sky, like just the way it was put together and the, uh, um, it was obviously done by someone with great skill. It wasn't just like a slapdash thing. And when we look at the comparables, there's uh, the next one. You can see that this is a comparable, almost identical tree in the right front ground, yeah. right foreground, same kind of ship there in the lower left midground, The background is also, again, this nice big sky. It's a slightly different angle. This is shot from like a cliff side as opposed to like more at water level. So that, that was one of the comparables I looked at when I was looking at the value. I was, again, researching paintings of his that have sold, and ones that were similar enough in terms of subject matter, um, style, um, medium, like he almost always painted oil on board. In fact, the original one was painted oil on a canvas, but that's probably just because canvas is a bit lighter and if people are taking home mm. stuff home, it's going to cost a bit more and board weighs more than canvas. Um, then in the uh, the next painting, there was, uh, this is also very okay. similar, Yeah. but it's the, the palette is different. But again, you can see this one, he's got bulrushes instead of a tree in the foreground. Again, that nice, big, billowing, dramatic sky. Like, the skies are just to die for. They're beautiful. I think that was the one. Was this one the one that was? No, this is called Tranquil Sunset. This was Tranquil Sunset. He didn't always name his paintings. He didn't always date them. He always signed them, of course. He signed just as much in the lower, le lower left as he did in the lower right. So huh. I think the next one there, it's, uh, he signed in the lower left. And he did. <laughs> yeah. This is called Hand in Hand. So it's about a couple. The teeny, tiny, itty, bitty little couple. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he signed on the lower left. Again, the big billowing sky, the big seascape. This time the tree in the right front I find interesting is dead. It's the only time I've seen him use a dead tree in his painting, so I thought that's interesting. Okay. So in the meantime, I'm looking at these works and these two big long ones, the last ones we just looked at, are comparable in size to the main one, which is still just slightly bigger. Like these two are, uh, actually no, they are just, they're, they're just 48.25 inches. The other one was 48 inches. And the size is slightly smaller, but not much. So they're basically otherwise almost identical, but they were also painted oil on board. Uh, if we could go on to the next one, the big dramatic orange Ooh. and red sun, 
surprisingly called coastal sunset with red and orange sky over the water. Ooh, wow. Very. And that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what it is. And at auction, this painting brought over 400 times more than what they thought it was going to sell for. Oh, wow. So what did this sell for? The, they were, it was expected to sell for around $250. It sold for da, 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 $740. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So what so what were you able to appraise the first one at? Like the one that you were appraising? Well, I had to, I looked at a whole, at these comparables. So this is the these are the comparables that I compared it to. Yeah. Or again, I was looking for uh, consistencies in terms of style, palette, etc. And uh, the size of the canvas is also important too because the bigger the painting, the more resources go into it, the more sure. work goes into it, so yep. the higher the price. Yeah. Um, and if we can go on to the last one, that's uh, an estuary under a cloudy sky. And this one sold for more of what he usually normally sells for. This would have been around $300. I cannot disclose for reasons of confidentiality okay. the final price. Okay. But I took the values from all these paintings that sure. we've just looked at yeah. and used them to help me determine, okay, this is what this one would be. Okay. I would price it at yeah. today. If, yeah. if you wanted to sell it, this is what you could ask for. This is what you could reasonably expect to get for it. Okay. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah, a lot of research, eh? Like it's you really have to be. So that's the, the original research. one. That's right? the original. Yes. Right. Oh, that's really cool. Is, uh, yeah, like Different. so. You know, when I think about sort of again, let's go back to the house appraisals. Like yes. you're looking at a house, and mm -hmm. you can do comparables based on you know um, size. Yes. The contents of the house, not the house itself. So for, 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 for me, right, like so when I'm, when I'm getting an appraisal for a client mm -hmm. for mortgage purposes, um, you know, it's much, to me it's like, yeah, there's, there's not as many parameters. Yes. There's certainly lots of parameters, don't get me mm -hmm. wrong, there's rules oh, yes, and regulations, yes. there's things they have yes. to look at. But with you, like, so appraisers have to be experts in, you know, a fairly small area we're to a degree whereas with you Bob's your uncle like like yeah. I mean you could be appraising his watch you could be appraising my shoes you could mm -hmm. be appraising this bot like mm -hmm. you have to know a lot about a lot of things we have to basically at least be generalist and at least have uh, if we don't know for example if somebody asked me to do a classic car i'm going to say i'm going to refer you to a classic car appraiser right here's somebody i know who belongs to the same organization i belong to so he will also probably have the same i would hope at least have the same set of standards and whatnot yeah i'll forward you on to him so if anyone comes to me and says i've got like a um a coin or a stamp collection again I'll send them to a specialist okay. because okay. that is so highly specialized. Okay. Diddle jewelry, but for other things like generally general uh, items, like general household items, uh, also antiques. I'm oh, I've always been all over the antiques. I go to Susie M's. I go to Countryside Antiques. I go to McCarthy's Flea Market. I'll go out. I was at the Merrickville Flea uh, Antique Market last uh, weekend. A few weekends before that, I was at the Perth. Uh, antique market. Okay. What I'm doing is making connections and looking at what people have, what they're asking for them, Got and it. talking to the vendors and making connections like, oh, here's someone who specializes in tin wind-up toys from uh, this time frame. So yeah, I'll take their card and add them to my list of experts of people to draw upon Perfect. and ask their okay. opinion. Right. And Or say, well, do, have you seen anything like this? Or do you know much about this? If I'm having difficulty finding resources myself online okay but I also pay far too much in monthly fees for uh, for access to very specialized sites that do the have this uh, right. otherwise people just go on evening and say well <clears throat> but but this 
this antique clock sold for sale. They're asking $600 for it. And say, they're asking $600. That doesn't mean they're going to get $600. Right. And then if they say, well, well why, why didn't you find this value for me? I said, well, because yours was made in a different country at a different time frame, yep. different materials. It looks a lot like the what you have, but it's different. It yeah. isn't the yours same has thing. a little crack in it. Yours has it, you know. Yours is the, the in this case, the subject, uh, the item that was, they were asking $600 for was French and it was in working condition. The one that they had was English and in non-working condition. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. So otherwise the condition of it was quite nice, like as it wasn't broken or damaged in any way, but it wasn't working. Right. So they would have had to get it repaired, which of course costs money and what yeah. if you want. Would you say there's like an, would you say there's a, an increasing demand or a decreasing demand for antiques and you know this acquiring these types mm. of items? I say that it seems to be fairly stable. Like there, mm. there's always been surges. Like all markets are susceptible to surges, but at McAfee's, I'll often see like three to four generations coming through. Mm -hmm. um, I have a blog on my uh, webpage, uh, Dark Horse Appraisals. And I think it was called uh, Bugs and Kids, Oh My. And uh, it was a friend of my friend there, Karen Glenn of Countryside Antiques, took a picture of this little boy cradling this bug, uh, this, uh, actually a metal bug ashtray from Italy in the 1950s. And I'd actually left it there because I thought, well, Bugsy just isn't working in my house. And he's got a little hinged body so he could lift it up. And, and this little boy is just enchanted with Bugsy's eyes, are just like, oh. We could tell he was going to be hiding all his little special treasures there. <laughs> but I was like so glad that uh, he was, uh, that yeah, uh, he saw else. it and like, wow, I want that. And his parents do take him around and his uh, siblings, they do take them to antique markets and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So you do see that. Yeah. So the younger generation, maybe the 30-somethings and 40-somethings you think are, 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 are embracing? The, the, I think uh, they're coming the around to there. I think we're starting to realize that they still, it's it's really difficult because lots of times people will have like a house that's completely modern and then all of a sudden you will see like an old oil lamp on mm -hmm. a shelf. And that mm -hmm. always gives me hope <laughs> that mm -hmm. they recognize something of value. Mm -hmm. There's something nice to have, uh, um, something older in amongst all the modern sleek stuff because it gets... Mass produced mm -hmm. Yeah, it just stuff. gets too much of a, that mass produced stuff. Mm -hmm. and, Mm. Uh, you need something a little different, a little pop to offset all the, uh, all that. So I think by that means other people do start to come into it and other people are just reverse. I'll go mm -hmm. and I'll see like nothing but like oil lamps <laughs> everywhere. Mm. And then there's a the piece of modern furniture. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. You know, it's really funny. Um, my girlfriend, uh, her, her, her mom passed away a couple of years ago and her dad s yeah. is just selling the house. So they're kind of purging, right? Mm. And yeah. um, there's all kinds of... Um, to like china sets and things like that so they're trying to disperse them like several sets yes. so they're trying to disperse them and so they were trying to make sure they went to people in the family mm -hmm. yes. not again not that they have a lot of value maybe they do maybe they don't but so does she went to her children who are you know in their mm -hmm. early 20s yeah. and the 23 year old 24 year old asked for a complete set good a good. him perfect a boy yeah, like it wasn't great. it wasn't and he's single and you love to hear that and he asked for one of the full sets and good. i was like she was so happy. Yes, she good. thought this was just there was hope. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, and and so that was just kind of you know along that lines that that's fabulous to exactly. know to know that 
some of these younger people are actually seeing the value in these things. So we have a friend of ours uh, that collects oil cans, mm -hmm. right? And yep. and she has them all across her desk. Mm -hmm. and, it, and I always that always kind of like in like in, in kind of like. I, I found her very intriguing when yeah. I go into her office because mm -hmm. I, I talk to her, but I'd be gazing at the oil cans while yeah. she's talking yeah, to me, and yeah. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've always had a thing for lighters, like old, you know, from oh, the yes. 60s and yep. the 50s and oh, even the yeah. 40s. Really? Eh? There's all these, because there's so many cool, um, uh, like, ways that they can be packaged. Yes, they all have a flame, yeah. but mm -hmm. the way that they create the flame oh, sometimes yes. is so cool. Oh. Something I never really got into, but like I, I, whenever I go to antique markets or flea markets or something like that, I, I, that's the one thing that always kind of catches my eye when I'm looking yeah. across the things on the table is I'm like, ooh, a lighter. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and when's it from? And like I yeah. have no idea, yeah. right? But yeah. cool stuff. I'd like to circle back to probably my first question was sure. tell us about you. Who are you? So how, I guess sort of more of how did you become, you know, Dark Horse Appraisals? Like how did that come about? Well, even since I was a kid, I've always loved going out to museums and art galleries and uh, just learning about stuff. My big favorite subjects in school were always history and art, English, social studies. So it all kind of just sort of coalesced. And uh, at the time, I was um, riding a lot, and so I became I was I trained horses for a bit for for several years. I was barn manager. And that was just, I love the work, but the money just doesn't, it just really isn't that, that great. Um, then I went off and I had, uh, for a while, I had a house cleaning business. And then, of course, you get to see and handle all kinds of interesting mm. items, old and new stuff, and sort of get an idea for what things worth. So I think it's just sort of coalescing and rolling around and bubbling down. Um, and then I went to go work for a local auction house and learned how to, catalog and, and, and look at items and correctly identify them. Um, and then I've, at one point, my boss took a phone call from someone saying, no, can you do an appraisal for me? And they said, oh, well, sorry, we don't do appraisals. And I was, but the patriarch of the family who had recently passed had done appraisals. And in fact, she was one of the course instructors of the course I ended up taking mm. for my uh, accreditation. And so I was a little surprised to hear this because she gave the name of a local appraiser. And I thought, what do you mean you don't do appraisals? As she still has her initials out there on the company vehicles. And he said, oh, well, she began telling me, da-da-da. She did this. I thought, well, in that case, <laughs> this is kind of what I want to do. I, don't, I mean, it's all fine and well standing there like working at the specialized auction house software and entering like, okay, uh, Royal Dalton figurine, Cassie, 3.5 inches by 5 inches high, great condition, and so on, and then going on to the next item and so forth. But I saw more of a future in uh, going out and learning how to do appraisals. So mm -hmm. I took the course, which was by Zoom. This is the first time I think they'd ever done it this way, and it worked. Got so obviously a COVID-era yeah, course COVID -era. for you. Yes, okay. <laughs> COVID-era course. <laughs> And I just sort of dove into it and I got uh, their other local appraisers around who are either starting to get out of the business or they're too busy with their own primary line of work. And for many, appraisals is a sideline and I'm doing my best to make it full time. Okay. So they sort of said, okay, here, well, here's someone who wants an appraisal done. Uh, here's someone else who wants uh, the house full of items done. So that was my mm -hmm. first big job. And that's what I did. So I went and just sort of jumped in and just love it. 
I love being able to go in and look at all these things and yeah. the people I meet and the stories I sort of basically, this may sound weird, but here the item's telling me as I'm handling them, like the history of them, mm -hmm. like how did this little uh, piece of scrimshaw, which is, this, uh, this was actually a whale's tooth, so it was like a sperm whale's tooth, and it had the state on it, it even had the name, I think the name of the ship on it was the SS Susan, it was a whaling ship okay. back in the 1880s. So handling it, looking at it, going, wow, just You just think about the journey. History about it. The it, journey, that it, yes. That it, that, it, yes. that it went through to get where and it was. And how it got to where it was, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know one of the things I've, I've mentioned to people that I work with when they're trying to purge or uh, downsize, you know, their lives or in, in some ways is uh, I always say that, you know, if you can gift some of the mm -hmm. things you have, you know, it's more yes. impactful than either giving away it or, or, like, yes. or selling it, I should say. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> it's, it's, I, I think it's nice because it allows people to pass on the story yes. of whatever mm -hmm. the item is. Exactly. So they feel like it's, it's going to continue on, mm -hmm. right? Rather than either sell it or, or you know, give it away to, you know, uh, yes. Salvation Army or something like that, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it has more meaning to the people when they exactly. do that. So mm -hmm. do you do watches and, or anything like that? Or do you, is that I considered can. jewelry? Um, again, it depends on the watch. So if, if it's say like a Rolex, it's, there's enough information on there about Rolex and on the sites that I've got access to that will help me sort of with it. But if it's a whole Rolex collection, right. it's difference between a one-off, like mm -hmm. if I'm going through a box of costume jewelry and find a piece by Burks mm -hmm. or a Shenstone, for example, then a, I, or a Sherman, a Sherman brooch, then there's enough information out there on those that I can look it up and make an informed, knowledgeable decision on it, rather than just sort of guessing, oh, gee, I think it's worth this much. Like, no, this metal is platinum, it's not silver, da, 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 da. Okay. So, so you do do jewelry as well? Or is it antique jewelry? Uh, it depends. Again, I wouldn't do a whole jewelry collection if somebody said, well, I've got a bunch of antique rings. I would, would again, I would probably say, defer it on to a specialist, depending on how specialized the collection is or how big it is. Like, mm -hmm. if it's a few pieces, then I would be comfortable saying, yes, I can do this. But hmm. um, if it's like boxes and boxes full of mm -hmm. watches and really in, highly, really specialized jewelry, probably. How about letters? Have you ever done that? Have you ever had to appraise like a letter? You know, like something from Winston Churchill or something. Well, like I was that. even saying, the, you know, with the recent passing of the Queen, Queen Elizabeth, Queen. Yes. I've heard some stories of, um, you know, people having received letters from her. Yes. So I saw you that. wondered what the authentic, like, I mean, they're probably, I don't know if they were handwritten letters, but mm -hmm. I know some of them, you know, some people were clear that they were from the lady in waiting yes. or whatever. Yeah. And you wonder, did the Queen actually write that, right? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't be able to analyze handwriting, I'm assuming, but. Um, that's kind of, again, well, we have to know a few things about the Queen in that case. Like, for example, she was not allowed to sign autographs because then it'd be too easy to forge her signature. But she did for people's, like, 100th birthdays. She did. I was watching a YouTube video on this last night, actually. Okay, yeah. The fun things about the Queen you didn't know. Yeah. And one of them was that uh, she would send out cards to people on their 100th birthdays. And, yeah, she, and she would hand sign it. So okay. that kind of thing, because the provenance is there. It has to be on the royal letterhead. So if it's just on like letterhead from Staples or something like that, <laughs> it's not going to be it's kosher. Notepad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, very recently, oh, that's another thing. That's another piece I could have brought along, was um, the Diefenbaker signature I found recently. Oh. I was at uh, Countryside Antiques and she had just gotten a bunch of items in, and one of them was the hotel ledger. And for whatever reason, well, I guess just reasons of anonymity, they removed several pages, including the name of the hotel. 
but on one page, and again, this is on my blog, I actually can take a look at it. There's, I wrote it in two parts. There's a signature signing E.C. Diefenbaker. So it wasn't John Diefenbaker, but it was his brother Elmer Diefenbaker. And it is beautiful handwriting, for, especially for a, a man. And I, the comparable that I used uh, was um, from the actual archives, the University of Saskatchewan, where they huh. do have all these documents pertaining yeah. to, uh, yeah. to it. So if, that's the one with the little boy with the bug there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I imagine you see a lot of there different... There we are. There, Elmer Clive signature right there. So that's... Uh, so you can see this oh, nice, well. big, swoopy signature. Yeah. And it was like, I believe, uh, May 18th, May 28th, and it was 1963, because they did put the uh, years up there. Wow. So it's really... That's I something so I was, definitely lost eh, in, in, yep. in the current generation is, exactly. is handwriting, yep. skills in, in, in penmanship. Yes. Yeah. Wow, what an interesting... Cool? Yeah, like it, it's totally... How just about something so, like glasses? Do you do like like reading glasses and stuff like that? I'm sure anything? these are worth a lot. Well, because they're yours. Of course. And you couldn't see where you're going with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I can't see the paper for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, in a nutshell, in terms of uh, doing autographs, it's again that's super specialized. But in that case, like the evidence that uh, the comparable that I use it to, like it was exactly the same handwriting, even the E and the C. And actually, it wasn't until I saw that second signature that I realized there was a C there in the oh, uh, okay. Elmer Clive okay. and uh, the, the Diefenbaker, but it is... Yeah. Have you ever surprised anyone with the value of something? Mm. Were they giving it to you thinking it's maybe, I have no idea what junk it's worth, it's probably whatever. junk, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you come back with something, has that ever happened to you? I'm usually not there when they get the value, and oh. I, don't, I generally don't hear from them after once I've given over my report. Oh. Mm. But um, how anticlimactic! I know. Right? <laughs> I think it's an it's antiques kind of road show, right? Yes. Where oh, because people, it's there you know, they're looking at and they're like, "Yeah, well, we think yes. it's this," and they're like, "Well, yeah. it's worth this. It's this," and you're like, yeah. ah! <laughs> "Antiques Roadshow is actually the first reality show. Did you know that?" Really? <laughs> eh? It's oh a my first, gosh! Yeah. What, way better than the reality yeah. TV shows yeah. now. Yeah. But that's a scroll. That's been going on for but again, years. Oh yeah, oh, for twenty over twenty years, I think twenty five years now. Wow! But before like all the stuff in the early 2000s. I've even caught my wife and I have actually like picked up on that show a couple times where, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, I'm just this. You're like, what? Yeah. Do we have anything like that? $40,000? Yeah. Well, and you know, I think about it and it's probably not worth much, but you never know, particularly now. Um, when my, my mom was... Um, nine going mm -hmm. to be 10 like later in the year when the queen was coronated yeah. and she was in england yeah and mm -hmm. every school child mm -hmm. every school child boy or girl in england when the queen was coronated got a china cup and, oh. Oh. and she still has it oh mm -hmm. is that her cool 70 years later yep. wow. so i so i happened to be at the house the day the at my mom and dad's house the day that the queen passed and mm -hmm. i am um, my parents were not there. <laughs> I went in her trying to catch her. You're looking for it. Put a little sticker on it, Tina's. Well, no, yes. she already knows. I have told her this before. It's mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, um, like, with that, like, obviously, that holds value, but more value it would depending be more on... sentimental value because mm. everyone would, in terms of actual financial value, they were mass-produced because, like I said, right. every kid in England got right. So how many mm. children were there in England? But it would... So would it, you got to go out and try to, like, get rid of everyone Yeah, like, if, if <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I guess <laughs> it would depend on how many are actually left, if, but you may someone, never know. That's true. That's you would true. never know how many are left. Yes. Until people start saying, you oh, have, pulling it out of their yeah. storage. That's the case, you... Uh, 
again, it's looking for item for comparables to see what they have asked for recently because mm -hmm. we had uh, we're related to Admiral Nelson on my mother's side, and we have this little wax figurine of him, a little bust of him in um, of I believe it's an oak frame. It's quite small. It's about this big and. It's always been the family legend, like, oh, this has got to be worth hundreds of thousands of pounds and stuff. And <laughs> I did my research, and we might get 200 for it if you tried to sell it. Oh. Because <laughs> they were mass-produced yeah. back in the day. You ever yeah. do clothing? Clothing ever is... Ever? Uh, well, you know, like, I don't know, something that's... Lady Gaga's not really. from one well, show or something. Well, I don't yeah, know. It's yeah, something yeah. significant. Sure the thing with clothing, it. especially if it's, a, like, um, uh, if it's a... If it's an item of clothing that a celebrity wore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing that on Antiques Roadshow, uh, somebody had a hat that Elton, Elton John wore in a video. So that's what so I mean, that like, was like, like that. Would you appraise something? Like, would that be something that might be appraised? <sighs> clothing is sort of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it depends. Like, what? why would they want... Some, if it was a really significant piece of clothing, again, on Antiques Roadshow last, just last night, I saw a piece where um, apparently Queen Victoria used to give away her underwear. Oh, can you believe it? <laughs> I, so there's a showstopper right there. There Let you go. <laughs> Beautifully made, but it had to have like all the right hallmarks. Like it had the Royal Corn, it had to have VR for Victoria Regina on it. Wow. Why would you and give away your underwear? Because she, <laughs> well, because she could, because it was, she wanted people. She, I think she basically told, she didn't give away her personally, but she, but her ladies in mating, her Ladies in, waiting. ladies in waiting would be told, here's sort of just go and give this to a commoner so they can have something nice to enjoy. Maybe it was a pair of bloomers. Oh my God. Yes, because they wouldn't have been any of these things they were now. Yes, it would have been her bras, oh, yeah. but things like, like chemises. Or yeah. I'm, sure there's, I'm sure there's, uh, there's individuals out there that yes, would find that, that very would... interesting to keep. But yes. uh, anyways, small market. You would have no idea what people collect. Yeah, okay. I imagine. The collections yeah, that I imagine. I can't even, I really can't imagine what what some of the things that you've seen or does, has anything yes. shocked you? <laughs> like when you've gone into a place and you're like, Too really? Too much? Used by Elton John. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I can't really think of anything I've seen shocking yet. Like, uh, what's your definition of, of shocking? Like, yeah. A, um, I don't know. Something maybe that has value that you think shouldn't <laughs> or wouldn't or I don't well, know. that's where I have to be <clears throat> an appraiser. Objective. I have to yeah. be objective. Like, okay, well, yeah. to me, I might be like, no thanks. But to this person, somebody bought it. Somebody paid money for it mm -hmm. or inherited it. And they mm -hmm. want to know it's part of the estate. I still have to try and find value for it. But if there are items like, for example, the cleaning supplies under the kitchen sink, like yeah. you're not really going to give away or try to sell half the used bottle of Javex, are you? So <laughs> NCV is what I write down. No commercial value. Got it. So, yeah. in other words, like, well, let the family members take it and use it in their own households or what have you, or chuck it out, or if perhaps donate it. But if I see something that I know um, is something like you might see at, say, one of the charity shops or something like that, for um, that mm -hmm. is common there, like old wooden frames, for example, for pictures, or mm -hmm. the more recent ones that are plastic, well. A collection of plastic frames. And I'll just say, well, you may as well just donate them to Sally Ann because they're not. You're not going to be able to get any money selling mm -hmm. plastic frames from mm -hmm. such and such a store. So mm -hmm. I think we got to wrap up. Okay. You know, yeah. uh, that was a great show. Yeah. Um, lots of great information. Wow. Stuff I never thought about. I, Did I you even I, know yeah. that that 
Like I, you know, you think of auction auctioneers who go in and just sort of yeah. put a value on it just so that they can auction it off, right? They're going to start with this. But I've never, until I had met you a couple of months ago, I mm -hmm. really had no idea that that even existed. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah for sure. You know, and it's, it is a good thing to know because, mm -hmm. you know, like you say, there, you know, lots of people, you know, have estates to sell and people People do. are downsizing, people are transitioning. Yeah. Yep. And, for, and yes, obviously, in uh, the case of clean break, yep. divorces, when you're splitting up marital assets, That's you definitely thing. need fair market value yeah. because yep. the, the uh, separating parties want to make sure that nobody's getting ripped off or they want to be able to split it equally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So make sure it gets taken I've yeah. seen that a lot, actually. I, I, I've seen uh, quite a few uh, separations where there's significant like, um, mm -hmm. art Oh yes, you know that yeah. that the family acquires over 20, 30 years mm -hmm. of a marriage, mm -hmm. and uh, like cutlery, even you know, oh, yeah. uh, soft it... sterling silver cutlery. Mm -hmm. You know, I have uh, some for my wedding. It's so I'm telling thirty you, years old. The, well, the weight and value of stuff like that is incredible. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, that's amazing. So, how do people get a hold of you yeah. if they want to talk to you about this? They can get hold of me through my website, darkhorseappraisals.com. Or my phone number is 343-307-5409. Um, there's a contact form on my website, too, that you can use to get in touch with me. Awesome. I also yeah. am on Facebook. Uh, I do have um, Facebook, LinkedIn, and where else am I? <laughs> Unalignable, which is more sort of smaller mm -hmm. uh, uh, networking uh, company. But uh, yeah, yeah, so Facebook and LinkedIn are the main ones. Great. Fabulous. Okay. Well, you can find out more information about Dark Horse Appraisals on uh, on her website, and you can also check out more of the great podcasts that we have on our website, mycleanbreak.ca. And uh, until next time, we hope that you take care of yourself, take care of the people around you, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic. You've been listening. You've been listening to Clean Break, our weekly podcast on life transitions. You can find more topics like today's and other great advice from life transition professionals at mycleanbreak.ca, where we upload audio, video, and blog content every week. mycleanbreak.ca has clear and simple advice from trusted local professionals to help you get to the other side of any transition. They were just doing the outtake. He was just playing the outtake. Oh, you know, the, the, oh yeah, the, the yeah. But they, we, were, we weren't I think he anyway. I think he muted the mics. What's that? Okay, we're good. Awesome.